0: God says when the troubles come, He said, Fight! You can't fight, He said, Withstand! You can't withstand, He said, Stand! What does it mean to stand? He said, Don't change. What? Don't change what? Number one, Don't change what you believe. Here we will reason concerning the scriptures about the doctrines we hold dear. We believe in souls being saved, lives being changed, and Bible doctrines being strengthened by the Word of God. We believe in the local church soul-winning, missions, and everything taught in the King James Bible. I thank God tonight for this wonderful Bible. You know, I, I thank God it's a perfect book, and I, I love the Bible. doesn't need any addition, no correction, nothing taken from it. Thank God tonight for the Holy Bible. I like it just like it is. We are not ashamed of being fundamental Baptists, and we want to encourage others to remain true to the Bible, their Baptist heritage, and to not change what they have been given. You just stick with the book. You can't beat this book. Yeah. Why does every generation feel that we've got to change it just a little bit because our daddy did it fast with, and our granddaddy did it like that, let's change it just a little bit. You change it, and things that are different are not The same. The same commit thou to faithful men. Thank you for joining us in our discussion of what it means to be a fundamental Baptist.
1: Hello and welcome. David Baker. Welcome to the Fundamental Baptist Podcast. We're glad that you're here. Uh, Today's podcast will be very different. Uh, Never. I've done one like this, never planned to do one like this, but um, let me tell you how how this got started. Uh, So uh, we started the Fundamental Baptist Podcast to push back on um, the wrong direction we have seen when churches and uh, doctrine and pastors and um, a lot of preachers' kids and them becoming preachers and going a different direction and pulling so many people away. And boy, it was just wrong. And I didn't see anyone pushing back on it in a good way. Um, in a way that was solid, that was biblical, that was doctrinal, that was uh, taking the topic and going to the Bible and say, okay, let's fix this. Let's help this. So, so many different uh, things. And so that's what this uh, podcast has become to push back on those issues and to interview different pastors and missionaries that uh, we connect with that I think can give it insight into some of those things and be able to help. And um, I've enjoyed it. Got a lot of great comments from it. And uh, we've got some more good interviews coming up and some big doctrinal things we have planned coming up. But in the middle of all of that, um, when people do not like the message, then as you know, they attack the messenger. Um, and so people try to look and see, okay, who is this guy? What's he done? And try to get and find dirt and try to make me the issue when I am not the issue. The issues are the issues. Okay. The King James Bible, salvation by grace through faith, um, Calvinism, uh, different false doctrines from standards to alcohol, to, uh, legalism, the kind of things we've covered, those are the issues. But if you can't argue and win on the issues, then what you do is let's try to attack the person. So we've gotten some of that and, um, it's just garbage, and so I thought, well, maybe not. Why, why don't I just make one podcast and tell my story? And uh, some of the questions that have come up and things that have been out there, I think it will be encouraging for you. I think it will be helpful for you. I think you'll enjoy it. I think it'll be entertaining. Um, if it's not, let me know. But um, this is my story, and so started off saved in the Southern Baptist Church in Columbia, Tennessee, the town in which I pastor. Uh, when I was twelve, we got moved to uh, Iowa with my dad's job trying to find a good church, couldn't find one, ended up in an American Baptist church. People were friendly, had a nice youth, they had a youth group, that's where we ended up. And uh, it was very liberal, uh, doctrinal, Um, they took, they tried to take out of the Constitution that the Bible was the perfect, infallible, inspired Word of God. My dad never joined the church because he uh, couldn't with their their liberal stand, but he asked as a guest, we were there Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, dad just never joined because of that. Uh. um, he asked if he could, as a guest, make a statement, and uh, they said, "Sure." He was very respected, and he said, "I'm not a member here, but I'd like to make a statement." And when a church moves away from the doctrinal position of the Word of God being the authority, and it's not infallible, it's not inspired, it's not perfect, that church will go downhill quickly. And he sat down, and um, the church was getting ready. The pastor and all the leaders were voting to uh, to change their constitution because of that. Then they didn't, and so, but it was very. Liberal. As a teenager, I got caught drinking and I had to go talk to the pastor. Oh, great. Who wants to do that? Um, so I went talk to the pastor, came home, and dad said, Well, I had to go. Then it went great. He agrees with me. He didn't see anything wrong with social drinking either. Whew. Imagine that as a dad. That was my spiritual background. Um, as a teenager, the youth director bought alcohol, brought it to the church, gave it to the teenagers at our youth activity, and the night got worse from there. And I won't go into that. In high school, my parents were trying to pull me back, hold the reins, and, but school and church and friends and family and everything else was going a totally different direction, and they lost the battle. And I went into the world. In high school, my dad was going to try to ground me, and I said, nope, you're not, I'm moving out. So I got my car, I had a job, moved out, got an apartment, finished high school in a party apartment, big wall between my parents and I that God restored later on. After high school, went in the Army, jumped out of those perfectly good airplanes, uh, did basic at Fort Jackson, AIT at Fort Gordon, Benning for jump school, Korea for a year, second infantry division, uh, camp Casey, Tong Dichon, about 10 miles from the DMZ. And then, um, at the end of that, went back to, went to Fort Bragg and got to spend about a year and a half, in the 82nd airborne division. Um, God was calling me to preach. Uh, I didn't want to preach. I started going to church for a uh, wrong reason. I wanted to find a nice girl to date. Where do you find a nice girl at church? So I was visiting different churches. Well, it just so happened that, uh, this, uh, pastor came to visit me in the barracks and, uh, Somebody came in the room, hey, some guys down there want to talk to you. Don't want to talk to me? Who? And I went down. It was Fred Giles. He had went to Howell's Anderson College, and he was running a patriot ministry at Berean Baptist Church in Fayetteville, North Carolina. And um, and so he uh, invited me to church, said, yeah, I'm looking for a church. He asked me if I was saved, and I had a great plan, a great uh, testimony of being saved. Okay, great. See you tomorrow. And so I came. Um, so in Sunday school, they had a military ministry Sunday school class called the Patriot class. And he was teaching on the King James Bible. Well, I had my red NIV. I never read it, but I read the preface. And the preface said it was the best version. And so I got into an argument with the teacher after uh, class, uh, me defending my new international version of the Bible. Then I went to church, and I'm looking for a girl today. Probably a 1,000 people there, good side of church. So I'm looking around. Surely there's got to be a girl I can ask out. All of a sudden, this guy started preaching. Uh, Stephen Bird, man, Treated the devil out of me. Made me so mad. I'm never coming back here. And uh, wouldn't shake his hand on the way out the door. Uh, Sunday night, I was back in that same church. My flesh hated it. (laughs) This bad spirit of God inside of me loved it. Made me mad. Worse. (laughs) You thought Sunday morning was bad. Sunday night was worse. Wouldn't shake his hand. Never coming back here. I was back in that church on Wednesday night. The battle between the spirit and the flesh, between uh, being a spiritual person and a carnal person. And little by little, I would yield to the spiritual person. I started going to soul winning there. Um, Ron Comfort preached. I uh, didn't know him. Preached on a Sunday morning. How many people know you're saved and on your way to heaven? Raise your hand. I raised my hand. How many people believe there are people out there who don't know how to go to heaven? <laughs> yeah, I know a bunch of them. Raised my hand. He goes, that's our job. We're supposed to tell them. Wow. Never heard that. I thought if you get saved, you go to the church. That's the preacher's job. (laughs) Wow, it's my job. I made a commitment to win souls. And when I did, long story short in that, but it got me out of the barge in the Bible praying um, and faithful to church every week because how can I witness to people on Thursday night and do what I was normally doing on Friday and Saturday night? Changed my life. Uh, they were going to pastor school that year, and I said, okay, I can't go. I can't get leave. That was a lie. I knew if I went and was around the preaching all week long, I would have surrendered. Man, I'm not surrendering. My life. Said, I'm going to our University. I already got my roommate got my classes already approved. Uh, my high school friends are in seniors. I'll be a freshman, and we had it all planned. I'm studying law, staying in the military. They're gonna be, um, my years would still count. I'll uh, go back in the military as an army attorney, retire at 38, set up a law practice, my life set. Um, and I was so convicted in church, I was afraid I was gonna surrender to preach, so I skipped church, went to the beach for the weekend. God said, no you're not, and put me in jail. What? You? (laughs) Yes. One night, that was enough for me in jail. You sober up real quick going, what am I doing here? We had an open container in the vehicle, and so um, that uh, sent us to jail. That next morning, they let me out at 8 o'clock. Ran home, took a shower, changed clothes, went to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. 35 years ago, hadn't missed unless I was sick. Uh, Didn't surrender to preach for a couple more months. Still fought it. God did. Long story to go through, but three or four things that uh, God was still spanking me, trying to get my attention. I finally surrendered. RENDERED. Two weeks later, I realized, wow, I'm happy. How can I be happy? I'm not doing anything the world says will make me happy, but I'm happy. And, um, they went to Bible college, Highland Central College. My brother was, uh, already, uh, he was going into a sophomore year in my first year there. And when I went there, I said, I'm not going to date anybody because my mind is a mess. I've been military in the world and so didn't date anybody, didn't look at anybody, just focused on classes and, um, ministry. And after the first semester, everything was good. I said, God, I think I'm ready whenever you, uh, whenever you, whenever you know I'm ready, send me the right one. And the next day, it seemed like God did. I walked down a hallway and I smiled and the young lady smiled and God said through my spirit, that's her. (laughs) What? (laughs) And I ended up getting to know her. We've been married now for 33 years, 11 children, 10 grandchildren, one on the way, and it's been beautiful. So right after Bible college, I finished in three years. I felt like I'd wasted a bunch of years um, uh, in the military and running from God, so I tried to get done as quickly as I could if God had something planned for me. It took 20 hours every semester uh, to finish, and after that, didn't feel like I was supposed to go anywhere, so started working on my master's degree, worked security uh, at Howl's Ancient College, and one day in Brother house Hallway, uh, and I'd work at his house a lot, and his hallway called me in and said, Dave, i got a place for you to go. I said, said, um, great guy, great church, I want you to go be the youth director, and that was the Paul Chapel, Lancaster California. So in 1992, my wife and I moved with our one-year-old son to Lancaster and was youth pastor in California for a while. We felt like God wanted us to go back to college, finish a master's degree, so we did. And then uh, not long after that, we started a church in Columbia, Tennessee. And so we started with four people in our living room in a duplex. That was exciting. And um, then we uh, launched, and uh, had 51, on our first service, uh, sixth-month anniversary, 120, 121, I believe, um, one-year anniversary, 212, and it just took off. Then we got a building, and uh, we're building and growing that. Then we built a building and added on to it, built uh, about 8,000 square feet, added on to the 6,000 square foot building we had. It was Lighthouse Baptist Church. We built a five-story lighthouse, a five-story lighthouse. I led a Catholic architect to Christ, and she designed this building for us. It was beautiful. Red and white stripes, a red cross in the front, an airport light at the top. Uh, We had classrooms in each floor building up, and in the top floor, we had a radio station. And so that building gave us room for junior church, fellowship hall, Sunday school classes, nursery. We had 13 babies born one year, needed nursery. um, But we still didn't have a new auditorium. That was the next phase. So went a while for that. Then we went to build our auditorium. $3 A Three million dollar building. This was oh, fifteen years ago, and a twenty plans stamped, ready to go. We excavated the parking lot down, put a new parking lot in, dug the footers, had the electric. Everything's going in. This is amazing. In the middle of that, a youth, uh, my youth director that had been with me for nine years, left, went across town, started a new church. It was youth director, then assistant pastor, and started pulling people away. It was uh, brutal, and um, we ended up giving up our salary for five years to keep the building note paid, and then the bank took our bill. And in the middle of that, we went through a home foreclosure and lost our home. A Christian attorney that was a friend of mine, I would help. Uh, I was in the jail ministry as a, as a volunteer. When he had a client that was in jail, he would uh, tell him to me and I'd go with him to Christ and help him. And so when uh, the bank took our house, I thought they did it wrongfully. And so I took uh, the lawyer out to eat and he said, Dave, let me take this. So he took our case. And for three years, we lived there. We didn't own it because, um, um, because it wasn't ours. The bank took it, but the attorney filed a wrongful foreclosure, so that stopped the eviction. Anyway, so uh, we lived there, and we refinanced all the debt that we had. Um, we had a loan at the bank um, for the project, but we didn't need it yet. We were having 10, 15 grand a week coming in for the building um, program. By the way, we had, we're averaging 400 plus now at this time. We had, this is before we went through the um, assistant pastor leaving. Um, but we had the small auditorium. So to make it all fit, we had um, three Sunday school hours and two church services. We had an 8 o'clock Sunday school hour, a 9 o'clock church service, a 10 o'clock Sunday hour, 11 o'clock church service and a 1215 Sunday school hour. It was crazy. And we made it happen. Couldn't wait to get a new auditorium. Finally, we're going to have room to grow. And uh, we had so many people visit and said, well, we love your service. Whenever you get some more room, let us know. And uh, it's just brutal. So finally, we're going to get that. And then in the middle of that, the system pastor leaves and starts pulling people away. We went to the bank then because we needed the loan because um, we were having ten fifteen grand a week coming in just for the building. So we're paying everything cash, the builders, the architects, the engineers knowing we would need the loan when we had a big um, build of all the uh, materials, went to the bank and they said, oh, it's been over six months. You have to requalify. Uh oh! Guess what? We don't qualify anymore. The income had gone down, so they didn't give us a loan. So then the builder liens came. Uh, four builder liens, two lawsuits. Twice they cleared our bank accounts. Every dime, mission surplus, operating youth account, they cleared everything. We w- saved up a little bit, went to another bank, and started there. And uh, they found that and cleared the bank accounts again. We had to operate for a year without um, without a bank. Uh, a guy in church had a check cashing company, and that's how we operated. It was brutal. Found found a bank that would refinance us. I think 11 of us, me included, signed on the note for that. And uh, including the uh, other debt from the first building, a little bit that we had, and then the new building, all the liens, and clearing everything out. And paying the Christian school for the year, the salaries for that, it was $750,000. And um, we signed on that. I signed on that. And uh, the men of the church said, hey, if things get tight, we'll get together and we'll uh, make this thing work. Well, it was very, very tight with all the things we're going through. The assistant pastor, every week I would hear he was pulling people away. By the way, <laughs> the ending, one of the first podcasts I did about that, that assistant pastor bounced around, long story, eight or nine different places, ended up now as an agnostic. His kids are eight atheist, um, bisexual drugs, um, just, just a mess has to love him, love his family hurt. I I pray one day that I could be a part of salvaging some of his family, all of them back to God. But, um, when you start changing, you're going to keep changing. And when I was used to say that I got to watch it firsthand with someone that I loved and was very close to. And so they're still going, pulling things away and we'd reach a new family and they were growing all of a sudden they'd be gone wouldn't answer the door and found out that somebody was hanging around finding who was at our church. I don't know if they went through the parking lot or if they had someone inside the church that would go to them, tell all these horrible things that were not true. And the next thing you know, they were gone. And, um, that went on for five years. I gave it my salary for five years to keep the building note paid. Uh, again, like I said, we went through that home foreclosure. It was brutal and, um, just barely surviving 11 kids wondering how are going to make it? What's going to happen? Um, Brutal time well in the meantime a friend of mine um, Who worked a business? Um, uh, somebody had gotten upset at his boss and then they went after him because he was on his website and then they found out we were connected and they went after us and um, This blog they were putting together didn't have my name on it or my friend's name on it or even his boss's name It was somebody else. And they started attacking us for things that were not true and just sharing these all over the place And well, it's written up there. It must be true and the kind of things they said against us were just wrong I would go and look, prove this, said, ah, oh, his electricity is turned off all the time. It's amazing. Um, there were so many times it was the last day, but God never let our electricity get turned off ever. And I had the records from Columbia Power and Water, sent it to the website. They didn't care. Just lies and hate. They said, ah, oh, the Baker girls, they wear more makeup than Tammy Faye Baker. Uh, my girls didn't even wear makeup until they were 18. That was just our rule. They were dating, no need to, um, to wear makeup. And just hateful lies, personal attacks. And then, oh, he's stealing money and uh, he's got a scam and they got this investment scam and stealing money and all these things. And those are the kind of things that were said. And they were just totally, totally wrong. um First, they said, I stole a million dollars, a couple million dollars. We'd never had that in our church account. And then they got a hold of this $750,000 loan. And that's what I stole. I stole $750,000. Well, if I did, I'd be in jail. And the FBI would have been involved in that. Um, And uh, of course, that didn't happen. The $750,000 loan from the bank went to that attorney, that Christian attorney, I give you his name. If anybody wants to know, you can check it out. It went into his escrow account and all the liens and builder liens had to be paid from his escrow. They wouldn't give it to the person individually. They may spend it on other things and not take the liens off the property. If a bank is going to take your loan and they're going to be on it, they're not going to let you have all these builder liens where they can foreclose and they lose out. So the money went to the attorney's escrow and he paid everything out. Got the whole spreadsheet shows where every dime went. And guess who did not get a dime? Me. <laughs> uh, we didn't get anything from that, which was fine. It wasn't for that. It was to pay off all the other people. Never paid my back salary, even though I could have said, Hey man, I got this back pay in for all these months. I didn't take a salary. Can I, can we put this in the loan? I didn't do that. It wasn't about me. It was about the church, but it didn't matter. All he had to do is uh, say that. Then I blamed it on the friend of mine who that blog was also attacking. Um, And that uh, there's an unscrupulous lawyer who was putting that blog together and they contacted somebody from the SEC who he had ended up in his family moving to another city. We're still friends. And they did an FBI raid on his house. 20 agents. Yeah, like you hear about 20 agents, guns. Um, he had little girls and and he had nothing to hide. Gave him his phone, computer, laptop and they said, oh, you stole. We've heard you did this, this, this and this. Not true. They had six months to bring a true bill from a grand jury, if you understand the system. Six months was over. Three or four years were over. Uh, he ended up moving back to uh, the home pastor that led him to Christ and um, one day the FBI showed up at our house and said, do you know where this person is? Sure, here's where he is. Here's his phone number. <laughs> he wasn't trying to hide at all. And so so um, they um, came and arrested him, and uh, when I got to talk to him on the phone, he said, "I saw the charges. There was nothing there, and uh, be no problem well, um, long story short, FBI, you hear this with politics now we 've known for years how corrupt and messed up they are. They care not about the truth, only getting a uh, charged stick and that 's why they have a ninety eight percent success rating a 98% closure rating of uh, people they convict that they get. what they put him through was just incredible, incredible. I've got the transcripts. Uh, I was there in court some, the lies, the things that were told, the things that was done. What they accused him of said I didn't do. And I can prove I didn't do it. He had a public defender. They wouldn't let him hire an attorney. He Wouldn't let him work a job to hire an attorney. Once they arrested him, here's your any job you get, you have to get it approved by us. Well he was very talented and skilled and had these jobs. Nope, we won't let you work there. We won't let you work there. A job he's working literally is cleaning apartment uh, sorry, cleaning offices in the morning. And that was the only job they let him have. When he did contact an attorney to try to uh, hire an attorney, they found out about it. A plea deal, they were gonna give him a few months to decide, they gave him a week. You either take this plea deal or we're going to maximize your charges to this, 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 and this. We'll put you in jail for 20 years. The uh, public defender, he had said, look, they gotcha, It's a technicality. Look, take the plea. You've never been in trouble. You've never had a misdemeanor. Uh, you'll get probation and go home to your family. Most you get his house arrest for a while, go home to your family. Just take the charge and be done. In the transcript, in the, one of the court uh, sessions, the judge rebukes the public defender and the prosecution for working too closely together. And so at the time, I couldn't speak with them. Any potential victim or witness couldn't speak with them. And I had had some uh, legal background and working in the jail for all those years. I'm in a court a thousand times with people. I would tell them, do not take the plea. They don't have anything. That's why they're using all this pressure for you. You, you don't take the plea, they'll probably drop the whole thing because they can't prove it. There's no proof there. Uh, um, and most people in a situation like that, you say, oh, I would never plead guilty to something I didn't do. When you're looking at here, probation, go home to your family today or 20 years in um, in prison. What do you do? And it's the FBI with 98% success rate. Like many times he took the plea. When he did take the plea, then now he um, was, uh, gave up all his rights. You give up all your rights to um, fight back once you take a plea. So at sentencing, I was not there. I was told not to be there, but I have the transcript from it. At sentencing, the judge says, who are these 20 people sitting over here? The DA says, district attorney, prosecutors, oh, these are victims of my friend. He didn't know one of them. Not one of them ever invested in his company. Not one. They were paid actors to sit there in court so the judge thinks all these people are upset. The DA said, your honor, we're only going to have one person testify um, to to save your time. The person that testified was not even on his victim list. I knew the guy. I introduced him to the guy years ago. Um, I read the transcript. I counted four lies that I knew of because I was there. The judge asked him, "Uh, are you uh, on the victim list? Uh, Yes, your honor. He counted himself as a victim, but he was not on the victim list. And so uh, because you waive all your rights and you can't object anything and you got 20 people over there that seem upset and one guy who's telling all these lies, they gave him not probation. They gave him not house arrest. They gave him the maximum, 46 months in a federal institution. After that, uh, now I could talk to him because he's sentenced. I told him, man, I wish I could have told you don't. To plea this, um, but he did. And so while he was in prison, I think I visited him 12 or 15 different times, a couple different places he was at, and tried to encourage him and be a friend to him and his family and uh, good people, and uh, just caught up in the system. Right away, I told him, I said, all right, here's what's going to happen. When you get to prison, you're going to meet some jailhouse attorneys. These guys know the law in these type cases better than the attorneys do. They spend all their time in the law libraries and learn all this. I don't know what it's called, but they're going to tell you, here's what you can file because uh, they did it wrong. He called me after he got there I said man you're exactly right it's called a 2255 and it's ineffective assistance of counsel and they looked at my case and just laughed they laughed every one of them just looked and laughed like man how in the world did they get you they got nothing and um, ineffective assistance of counsel so um, we filed it and that uh, took forever took forever took forever took forever finally right to the end of him getting out um, they said yep and uh, ineffective assistance of counsel and they took back um, the um, the charge, not the charge, but they took back the um, the deal that he made. Well, now he can get out. The only problem is now they can go after him again. And you're already almost done with your whole time. You're getting out in two months. Forget it. We dropped to 2055. He finished his time and he's out. But because of that, here's what happened with a recent guy. We were friends in college. I had pretty good respect for him. And uh, he... Uh, had said some public things that were wrong. I privately um, took him to task, or in his little group, um, to task on that and try to correct him. And uh, and he told me that the um, reason why this is just one of the pushbacks of why I wanted to, why I wanted to do this. Um, he told me that the um, reason why that I had. Um, Um, is that I was gullible and that I, uh, that's one of the reasons why I lost our building because I let that businessman, um, um, mess me up and, uh, get me out of, um, our building and took advantage of us and, um, and things like that. And I was like, wow. I said, you are so wrong. I said, that businessman had absolutely nothing to do with um, with losing a building. Um, the lie was at the time that I took all this church money and invested it with this businessman. Total lie. Um, I did not spend one dime, one dollar, not anything at all of church money ever to invest in anything, much less with this businessman. The only thing was, is if his business things came through, he was going to help bail us out so we didn't lose a building. As a friend, um, there was no business deals ever with the church and him not one dime invested in that but guess what it doesn't matter because uh, all you got to do is say it and uh, I guess it's true and so that's what happened and that's what he said I pushed back with him and told him the truth of it and told him I'm glad to talk to him about it and guess what nope he doesn't want to uh, have anything to do about that with um, that anymore and so I'm looking right now um, at the article that he said and um, and here's what he said in my respect the baker. You're a good man. I have my weaknesses and you have yours. One of yours is that you let yourself be taken in by smooth talking men. Your bankruptcy and loss of lighthouse wasn't part of a result of this. When you combine this weakness with your love for natural loyalty and those who have ministered to you, your complete blindness in this. And so I explained to him the situation. He didn't care because people don't. They just want to use these things to attack you. So uh, the truth of that, those things never happened. We never invested a dime of any church Money at anything. I've never taken a dive. I gave up my salary for years. We started our church. My salary was a hundred dollars, hundred dollars a week. That was my salary. Uh, when things got tough, I I laid myself off and didn't take a salary to keep the church going. Um, when I had opportunities to go pastor other churches or go do other ministries, I didn't. Even after we lost our building, I said, "Okay, God, now what?" Uh, I had kept back from going to get a job because our church was used to having a full-time pastor. and I felt like if I went to get a job, we would lose more people because they were used to having a pastor, so I didn't, and we just suffered. And uh, My son and I did a newspaper route in the morning and uh, pressure wash houses on Thursday on my day off and whatever we could to try to keep some bills paid and food on the table. After we lost a building, okay, God, what do you want? What do you want for me? Mission field? God, I'll go. Uh, pastor of the church? I'll go. Start a church? Go. God, I'd love to restart our church here, there's some good people that are still here, not their fault of what we went through. And uh, miraculously, God confirmed that he wanted us to stay here. I've got to tell you this story. It's worth the time. So my grandmother, who was 93, was in a nursing home in town. Uh, we ended up moving back to Columbia, Tennessee, to the town I was born in. And that's where we started our church at. And so my grandmother was in a nursing home. So I'd go by and see her every week and talk to her and pray with her and get her to laugh. And then her friends in the area, I'd win them to Christ. So every week I'd go win one or two of her friends, ladies, different people in the nursing home I would see to Christ. And so I thought, well, maybe the um, administration Administrator will pay me $100 a week to be a chaplain here and come by and visit, pray for them, do services, visit them when they go to the hospital, do their memorial services, things like that. And so uh, I got some brochures printed up and got my nerve up and went to a uh, nursing home. I said, can I speak to administrator? And they said, oh, he's out uh, of town today. Great. I not in this either, you know. frustrated just on the bottom, not understanding all that God allowed us to go through and why. And so I'm driving back and I drive by nursing home. Didn't know anybody there, but hey, I already got my nerve up, what does it hurt? So I pulled in, walked up to the uh, receptionist. Can I speak to the administrator, please? Uh, is he expecting you, do you have an appointment? Uh, nope, okay, wait here. I'm standing in the foyer at least 10 or 15 minutes. The administrator finally came, so what can I do for you? I uh, said, you got come in so I could talk with you? He said, what do you need? Um, I said, um, I need to talk with you about something. He said, it's supposed to be an appointment uh, there. What do you need? I said, Can I set up an appointment to come back and talk with you? He said, What do you need? <laughs> Great. In the middle of the foyer, I got to explain to him why he needs a chaplain. And so I said, Well, I wanted to talk to you about being a chaplain here. He turned his head sideways and looked at me. He said, Come in here. Put me into an office, sat down, I explained to him, my grandmother in this nursing home, my grandfather passed away in this nursing home. Our family did a nursing home service for three or four years until they converted it to a to a different um, um, different um, business and uh, told him a heart for older people. And and uh, he looked at me and said, do you know anything about our company? I said, no, sir. He said, do you know what happened here yesterday? <laughs> I'm really getting weirded out. I said, no, sir. He said, um, Signature Healthcare is the only company that hires a full-time chaplain at every one of our buildings. Yesterday, I had to let ours go. Today, I woke up saying, how do we even open the building without having a chaplain here? And I just walk in off the street. He and I both got saved in the Southern Baptist church. He and, I both, he and I both got away from God as teenagers. He and I both got You know, both went in the military and jumped out of airplanes. Devin Shelby, you can look him up, talk to him. Uh, True story. You just couldn't make this stuff up. He and I both met at a Republican Christmas fundraiser six months earlier and didn't realize it. Almost hired on the spot, but it was a corporate company. It was three to four interviews I had to go through. Corporate came down, four-hour interview, first just with her, then with her and the administrator, then lunch interview, then back with the afternoon department heads, four-hour interview. Um, then the next morning, I had my final interview with the um, all the department heads, 17 of them. And he, uh, the administrator walked in, sorry, this is David Baker. This is who we're looking at for our new chaplain, ask me every question you want? And he left and closed the door. So I'm looking at 17 people. I'm like, uh, hey, hello. So I gave him a short little background. All right, what questions do you have? And the activities director, if you know anything about a nursing home, they're they're in charge. I mean, they run the activities and they're popular and very active and involved. And um, she said, I hope we hire Pastor Baker as our chaplain. Pastor Baker, he didn't introduce me as that. How does she know me as that? She said, he won't even remember this. She was a black lady. She said, he was visiting on our side of the tracks back in 1997, and I told him about my dad in the hospital, and he went to visit my dad in the hospital three or four times before he passed away. I hope we hire Pastor Baker as our chaplain. And I said, "Wow!" I said, "Thank you. I'll pay you later." And uh, it was just like that. It just God did this. And I went from broke to making fifty plus thousand dollars a year as a chaplain in a nursing home, and um, I loved it. I, I still go there. Just went there last week and got to lead some people to Christ. Um, did that job for about three years as we restarted our church. By the way, they let us use their basement rehab to restart our church on Wednesday night. We used the Seven Day Adventist uh, Church on Sunday, um, and uh, God let us. Um, put all that back together. It was amazing. At that nursing home, I met a lady who their church was closing and we got our little building and we bought it and it's paid off in full. Now we need a. Uh, it's paid off and uh, things are good and building is packed. We need another building and God has been so good. In the meantime, I found out how to do some books and how to do some online things, which helped us start the Bible college and podcast and Independent Baptist Online College. We just went over 2000 students with that. I'm vice president there. I've got 10 of my courses there. It's amazing how those 10, tough things that you go through. God has a purpose and a plan for it. <laughs> didn't understand it, didn't like it, didn't wanna go through it all, but knew and realized that God had a purpose and a plan in all of that. Romans eight twenty eight was my life's verse I picked 35 years ago, getting out of the world, going into ministry, realizing, wow, how in the world can God take my junk and past of life, even me being in jail, and use it for good? And boy, God has. Just the jail ministry, we've seen thousands of people saved in the 30 years we've been there. First book that I, um, that I wrote um, that I got published was for the jail ministry. If you're watching on video, um, this is it. It's called I'm Never Coming Back Here. And um, I wrote it to help the guys that I preach to in jail. Our sheriff is saved, Baptist. And he read it and said, hey, we need to do as our chaplain. So I um, was pastoring and chaplain at the jail. My son, oldest son has taken over that now, and we get to have that. We have a ministry to help guys when they get out of jail to put their life back together. Um, a home called Onesmus House, and um, all those negative, bad things that I went through, it's amazing how God can turn them around for good, even losing a church. A few years ago, a good friend of mine said, yeah, we're, boy, we're going through a rough financial time, and man, we're getting ready to lose our building. I said, really? What's going on? And he told me, and I have to chuckle, I said, you're not getting ready to lose your building. you got three steps until you lose your building. Ask me how I know, because we went through that. God let us go through that so we can help other people not go through that. And we were able to help him. They did not lose their building. And so for all the things, hey, preacher, hey, Christian, that you have gone through in your life, realize God allows those things to happen so we can help other people. And the Bible says that, blessed, when men shall revile you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. Um, I preached a sermon years ago called Persecute Me, Please. The two things that I want, one on this earth and one in heaven, on this earth, I like to be happy. We'd all like that, right? That was why I ran off into the world, because I thought that would make me happy. It's fun for a while, but it doesn't make you happy. I found happiness when I surrender to God. He that keepeth the law, happy is he. Um, but down here, we want to be happy. Blessed is a man. Wow, if I'm persecuted for righteous sake, I'm going to be happy. And then it says, and great is your reward in heaven. Or the two most important things, one down here and one in heaven, to be happy down here and to have rewards in heaven, all come when you allow yourself to be persecuted wrongly for his name's sake. I don't like the persecution. I don't like the lies. I don't like the things that are said. I don't like people. I don't like it when people think the wrong things that they've heard or been told, um, but it happens. Um, a good friend of mine, well-known everyone would know his name, was talking to another uh, well-known every person would know his name, and uh, he brought up me and that that pastor, <laughs> that Preacher said, uh, Oh, have you heard what they're saying about him? Uh, and he said, Really? Have you heard what they're saying about you? Um, there are always going to be those false things and accusations, and I have absolutely nothing to hide. If you have a question about something, feel free. To email me, the fundamental Baptist podcast at gmail.com. I'll be glad to uh, do my best to be able to answer that. But when you stand strong on issues, Okay, that's what this has been about. You can look back at the podcast. What we've done is stand strong on these issues, biblical, uh, fundamental, Baptist principles and issues, and do interviews with pastors and missionaries. That's what this has been. By the way, we may do some debates, um, uh, discussions. I like to say how Paul reasoned with them concerning the scriptures um, with some people who believe differently and uh, use um, this platform for that um, um, uh, but, um, if you know someone who, uh, has a different, uh, different uh, belief on something would like to do that, we may do some of those. Um, but we're still going to do interviews and push back on the topics, but I did not want to be an issue and get in the way of these things. So if, uh, you believe those things and still want to believe them, that's fine. I can't help it if you want to believe it, but I tell you the truth of that, those things are not true. Um, and, um, So those are those uh, things there. I hope that was encouragement and a help to you, the tough things we've been through. Uh, To see it all now, man, it's amazing. I've got 11 kids that are all serving God, Um, four that are married. We've got 10 grandchildren, one on the way. Um, My Other kids are either either in Bible college, one's finished Bible college and and serving the Lord with us. Two more are still um, with us, uh, still in high school. And God has blessed us so much with our kids and family. Um, It's funny when I read some of the things, either on the the little phone. Forum, or, or uh, even locally, and they say something bad about me, they say, well, he must have did something right. He's got good kids, and uh, they may blow it tomorrow, but God has blessed us with great kids. And through all the things that we've been through, that's pretty amazing. Many times kids get bitter upset at the ministry and the way they're treated, the friends I lost and all the hurtful times, the hard financial times that we went through. And we went through them and our kids went through them with us and that our kids still love us and they're still fundamental. Um, They still want to believe right and do right and go to an old fashioned fundamental church. That's pretty amazing to me. And it says to me, boy, God's grace is good. And um, at least I didn't get in the way and mess up what God was doing. We tried to love those people that uh, persecuted us and said bad things and wrong things about us. And I don't wish anything bad on them, but it's amazing when you follow the stories out, how what's happened in our family and our home and our finances, boy, it's amazing how God's turned that around for us. It's amazing to see the people who didn't go the right direction, how things have turned out for them. It's always, always, blessed. just do right do right, do right until the stars fall and then just keep doing right. So if you have a question for me, feel free. Be glad to try to help you with it. Uh, But again, I'm not the issue. Don't make me the issue. Look at the truths. Look at the issues that are issues and uh, make those the important things in our life. Realize when they're attacking a person, it's because, okay, the topic they can't say anything on. And I know we're not perfect in this, but my goal is when we cover a topic that when we get done, you have to go, okay, man, that answered that question. Boy, that fixed that. Uh, I wanted to be an attorney before um, God called me to preach and my mind thinks like that. It brings a case before them and you lay out all of the case and then you cross examine uh, what they're going to say and then when you get done here's a jury and you are the jury. You look at this issue and go, man, that alcohol issue, man, you're right. That can't be right for us to drink alcohol. Uh, if you didn't listen to that, go back and listen to those two episodes. Legalism, man, he laid that out. Biblically, you cannot say legalism, what everybody says, because you have a standard. If you didn't hear that lesson, go listen to that. And all those type of issues, what we want to do is to use Bible and use logic and wisdom to be able to make a case then where you, the jury, gets to decide and uh, through the things God has allowed me to go through, I hope we do a decent job at that. If there's a topic you have a question on that you would like us to uh, do a podcast on and cover, let me know. Hey, if you're a good preacher and you stand right on things and there's a topic that you studied, you'd like to do a podcast with me, I'd love to do that. Uh, email me and we'll get together and I'll send you a link and we can do a podcast to help push back on these issues. So listen carefully and I'm done. We're losing our country. And the big reason why, because churches aren't the salt and the light that they're supposed to be. And uh, we need to stand right and believe right on the word of God, on soul winning, on building churches, on reaching people, on helping them and not go this uh, false direction. Um, a friend of mine, he was younger, uh, but we connected, and he was a friend, looked up to me, would ask me advice and questions, and he just left his church, and now he's a full-blown Calvinist. And uh, when he announced it to the church, they asked him to leave, and I'm looking at him going, what, why, how? Boy, it should not be that way. I know I've said this a few times. We are actively working on it, put together the first lesson uh, today uh, to start doing some lessons on Calvinism. We're going to take one lesson for each of the five um, major points of Calvinism, and that will be coming up very soon. And what we want to do is to be able to push back on those false um, narratives and to be able to try to give a clear presentation so we can help uh, to push back on those things that are wrong. So, hey, thank you for taking the time to listen to this. I hope it wasn't uh, a waste of your time. Hopefully it can be an encouragement if you're going through a tough time or a clarity if you've heard some things and you wonder about them. Hopefully we could have cleared those up. Hey, God bless you. Have a great one. We'll see you next time. Take care.
0: Thank you for listening to the Fundamental Baptist Podcast. If you have any questions, you can email us at thefundamentalbaptistpodcast at gmail.com.